Everyone knows Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and the community. Over the course of the last year, we have become painfully aware of the very negative headlines national media projected across the country regarding all law enforcement agencies. Over the last several months, and after numerous investigations, we have learned that these negative headlines did not tell the whole story but rather painted a picture designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Law Matters wants you to hear all the facts so you can decide for yourself. As these investigations conclude, these stories will be featured on our Truth Matters page on lawmatters1030.org website. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody out there. Um, you're, you are listening to Law Matters on 1030 The Voice, KVI, KVOI Tucson. Uh, my name is Brian Watson. I'm a special agent and public information officer with IRS Criminal Investigation. I am filling in at the last minute for our amazing host, Sherry Harrison. She will not be here today. She will be back next week. So she's uh, left uh, the show in, in my hands. Hopefully I, uh, I do it well and Thank you, Sherry, for the opportunity. I also want to thank John, our engineer. He's working his magic behind the glass. We're not here without John, so thank you very much. And today, we will take questions. If you want to call 520-790-2040, we will take your questions online today. So Sherry does an amazing job with this show. She gets the best guests, especially in the law enforcement community. Today is no exception. Today, I have two police officers with the Tucson Police Department. We have Captain Doug Foster with the Central Investigations Division. He's been with the department for 22 years. And we also have Captain Colin King with the Administrative Resources Division, 20 years with TPD. Gentlemen, welcome to uh, KBOI The Voice. Thank you, Brian. Thank you. All right, Captain King, we're going to start with you. Can you just talk a little bit about yourself and your, your current assignment with TPD? Sure. Good morning. Uh, my name is Colin King. I've been, like you said, uh, with Tucson Police for about 20 years done a wide variety of assignments, but most recently I've been assigned to our administrative resources division, which encompasses, you know, a lot of the, the, the back end, uh, areas of the department that really, you know, we couldn't do our jobs without the, the men and women that work in these areas. One of those important areas is, is human resources. So we do all of the hiring, retention, uh, recruiting for all public safety positions in, in the department, not just the, the sworn members, but we're also, constantly looking for for folks who want to want to serve the public in in a variety of ways captain foster same question tell us a little bit about yourself and your current assignment with the department sure thanks brian uh yeah this year actually marks my 25th year as a police officer here in the uh tucson area i started my career with the university of arizona police department while i was finishing up my master's over there and uh When I graduated uh, back in 2000, I made the quick transition over to the city as a lateral officer. So I've been here for 22 years, and like Colin, I've served in a number of assignments over the years. That's kind of one of the cool things about this job is that you can have a new job every couple years, and we can talk about that a little bit more when we talk about, uh, you know, people's interest in this profession and kind of what drew me to it. But uh, currently, I am a captain assigned to the Central Investigations Division, uh, and that encompasses most of our felony investigations over a few different sections. I've got the violent crime section, I've got uh, special victims, and our special investigation section. I know part of what we want to talk about today is homicide here in Tucson, specifically our homicide clearance rate. So in that violent crime section, I do have our homicide unit, our aggravated assault unit, robbery, and those types of violent crime units, uh, including domestic violence. Why did you guys choose to go into law enforcement? 
Well, I'll start that then. Uh, you know, I was also, I'm a wildcat. I was at the U of A studying uh, international relations, political science, and I was actually on the track to become a diplomat. So I was studying abroad and, and working internationally. Uh, and a friend of mine worked for the Tucson Police Department. We ended up uh, hooking up to, to do a ride-along. And one ride-along led to five ride-alongs, led to ten ride-alongs. Uh, and what really attracted me to the position, you know, I, I fell in love and I haven't looked back in 20 years and I still still love it each day. I uh, love coming to work. What really attracted me to this this job is is partially what, what Doug was just saying. Your your day is never the same, you know, twice. And so there's a wide variety of, of assignments. Um, you know, I did not like sitting behind a desk. I liked being out in the public. I liked driving around. Um, so I really fell in love with the with the job itself and, you know, all of the, the activities that you could do as a police officer. Um, and like I said, I haven't haven't looked back since then. Yeah, I've kind of had a long and winding road to get here, but uh, my my first real interest in the in the assignment was as a high schooler. Um, back in my days, I grew up in Chandler, Arizona, and went to high school there, and actually got recruited by the Chandler Police Department to be a uh, what they called a peer mentor for if anybody remembers the Dare program back in the day. And I was I was kind of that kid back then that was an athlete and and a good in my academics and everything, and I got recruited to go and talk to kids in the elementary schools about, uh, you know, keeping out of trouble and keeping their grades up and staying on the straight path and, and all of that. Um, but it was really the mentoring of that Chandler police officer that opened my eyes to the opportunities in law enforcement beyond the, the badge and the gun. And, and I went on a couple ride-alongs and, and fell in love with the with the whole vibe of the job and, and everything. My dad had done some time as a police officer with Chandler back in the late 60s before he went into the Navy, and so I had those stories. And so anyway, like I say, it, it took me a while to to figure out that this was where I wanted to be. Like Colin, I was studying at the University of Arizona. I was looking at federal job opportunities, um, getting my master's degree. I was in process with, back then, INS and FBI. But I really uh, got recruited to to be a police officer by a few people there at the university. And then once I was at the university police department, I got recruited to come over to, to TPD. And like I say, I would, I can't imagine having done anything differently. Uh, it's been the best, best career for the last 25 years and, uh, look forward to a few more here. Did either of you grow up watching police shows on TV? And if so, were there ones you really liked to watch? probably dating both of us i think my hair is a little grayer than collins but uh you know i go back all the way to adam 12 and those types of shows and chips and 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 those types of uh police shows from from back in the 70s and 80s that i was drawn to but i remember sitting there and and watching hill street blues with my dad and even shows like barney miller and and uh, for whatever reason my family tended to be uh drawn to some of those old time cop shows i don't know if it's the same these days, because I think once you get into the profession, you maybe look at those shows a little differently. Well, I'm going to ask which one's most accurate in a second, but you know, I watched a lot of the same shows. I watched Chips and T.J. Hooker. Hill Street Blues was on a little too late. That was on, I think, one of those 10 o'clock shows, so I had to go to bed. Um, we have two new guys at our office, and we actually nicknamed them Punch and John, and they had no idea what it meant. We had, They had to go and... Uh, Look it up, but you know, talk about the um, law enforcement. My mom did not like me watching Dukes of Hazard because of the disrespect for law enforcement. They made Roscoe look kind of like a buffoon. I mean, that was part of the show. 
But you know, my, I grew up in a household where there was a huge respect for law enforcement. So, uh, Captain King, what shows did you watch? Yeah, you know, I, uh, I think it came on a little bit too late for some of the shows Doug just mentioned. But uh, I think, you know, one of the ones that definitely stood out is Law & Order and those, you know, the offshoots of those shows, which is which is kind of a double-edged sword for us, right? Very entertaining, but um, not exactly accurate, right? You were talking about the accuracy of shows. and Why is it not accurate? So, it, you know, we have this... This, you know, I guess we could say it's kind of a funny term, but uh, it's the CSI effect, right? So, so people are watching this, these shows and thinking, okay, that's exactly how it's done. So they expect the police department to go and and in five minutes be able to run, you know, a DNA sample and and be able to identify a suspect uh, almost immediately, right? And that's not always the case in our investigations. And so, some of the work that we do, while it's very entertaining. Uh, you know, when we're when we're dealing with some of these investigations or when we're in, uh, in court, uh, the juries are expecting to see that kind of result because of the TV shows that they're watching and, and being able to see, you know, were we able to just dust for fingerprints out of thin air and, and find, you know, the needle in the haystack. And so sometimes it's overcoming those expectations, which aren't really real. So super entertaining shows, but not necessarily uh, accurate in, in what we do. When the Law and Order, it's a great show. The thing that bothers me about it is their search warrants seem to take about 10 minutes. Right. Where at my agency, our search warrants can take all day and all night. And then they also seem to get financial records within like a day. Whereas anybody that's that worked a financial case, no, <laughs> it takes weeks or months to get records from the bank. But but hey, you know, it's TV. It, it can't be real. Um, so on a recent episode of Law Matters, we spoke to Chief Kazmar with the Tucson Police Department and began to talk a little bit about TPD's success with a homicide solve rate much higher than the national average. So um, what is the national rate of solving homicides and what is the rate in Tucson? Well, if, if you look around the country right now, the... Uh by and large, the number that's widely accepted is about 50% on the solve rate on average across uh, law enforcement agencies across the country. Uh, here in Arizona, we've got a couple of great examples ourselves in Phoenix that are running more up in the, uh, currently we're just over, I think, 85% uh, year-to-date for 2022 on our uh, solved homicides. And why why do you think you are having a higher success here in Tucson and or Phoenix when it comes to solving these murders compared to the national average? Well, I think it, you know it's interesting, and there's a lot of a lot of articles out there. If you if you do a quick Google search on the homicide uh, solve rate, there's a lot of um, you know uh, theories on on why it's happening and what's what's causing agencies to have issues with that. Um, some of those things might have to do with, you know, bad data from back in the day or the way that we've changed the way we do policing in terms of getting more into constitutional policing and things like that. Um, also looking at uh, the fact that more homicides these days at an increasing rate are involving guns. Gun crimes can sometimes be more difficult to solve because of, you know, distance from people, lack of witnesses, these types of things. Um also, technology is playing a part in in it, um, <clears throat> and maybe some agencies aren't leveraging technology quite like uh, we in Phoenix are. Uh, but I think the biggest thing, and I think what we have a great success here in, in Tucson, is because of the partnerships that we have with our community. When you look at some of the communities across the country that are having real issues in terms of 
not having uh, the higher homicide solve rates is because of the lack of trust and transparency within some of those communities. And with that, you get, uh, you know, an unwillingness of sometimes communities to to uh, partner and share information and stuff to help uh, departments solve some of those homicides. Here in Tucson, I think that by and large, we have a great relationship with our community. We've got great transparency in terms of, you know, what we're doing, how we're doing it. And uh, in turn, we've got a community that's very willing to help make their community safe for their children, for their family, for the neighborhood. And they aren't going to stand for this violence. And they are uh, more willing to share information with a department that they can trust. For those of you who have uh, tuned in um, since the show started, you are listening to Law Matters on 1030 The Voice. Um, the, my, our two guests today with the Tucson Police Department are Captain Doug Foster and Captain Colin King. Now, you mentioned technology. Um, the one thing I've noticed just watching television news is it seems like a lot of crimes are caught on, well, in the old days, it would be surveillance cameras, only it's like at a Circle K. But now it seems like everyone's got the doorbell ring or other nest or whatever and they're catching you know porch pirates or catching shootings or things like that is that the type of technology you're talking about there's all sorts of technology that we've been able to leverage in terms of you know helping solve all types of crime uh, across my division and on all our investigative matters but um in particular yeah it's interesting that you mentioned the the ring cameras or those types of cameras that people have and it's not something that we can just go and tap into those that ring camera system. It's based on the willingness of the owner of that camera to share that information with the police department. And it's amazing how much people want to share what is, in effect, evidence with us of crimes in order to, you know, bring people to justice. And, and yes, so with the proliferation of cameras throughout society, be it with, you know, standard surveillance cameras, security at businesses and things like that, the the ease of access to um, ring cameras for $99 on Amazon or what have you, right. um, that's really helped us out in terms of being able to help solve crime. The, um, you know, one of the things with my agency, we're mostly dealing with, with financial crimes and it's, there is some violent aspect to it. But even with our financial crimes, people are nervous to talk to us because they're worried about retribution. And I hear it all the time. I've never actually seen any retribution in my 27 years. What do you, how do you get people to cooperate when they're worried? You know, you're investigating a homicide. So obviously this person is capable of violence, has done it. How do you get people to talk when they're feared for their own life and their family's life and their property? And like you say, I, th- I think that the, the issues of retribution and, and what have you are few and far between. Um, so em- emphasizing that, but just emphasizing that with their help, we can help to um, uh, rid their community of, of that potential danger or what have you. And only with their co- cooperation are we going to be able to put a stop to those violent acts and, and just reemphasizing the the trust and the transparency and how we do business in order to to garner that cooperation and collaboration all right you guys have mentioned the staffing issues that tpd and many agencies across the nation are facing to include the areas of recruiting and retention how does this notion of community partnership and trust play into that yeah well i'll I'll kick that part off um you know we we do there are a lot of parallels, right? So if the community trusts uh, the police department enough to you know, make reports, to assist with investigations, 
Um, the the parallel from that is that, you know they also potentially want to be part of that solution, right? So they feel comfortable enough in interacting and working with the uh, the police department and, and understand that's an intentional act, right? I mean that's an ongoing committed dialogue that we have to have with our community. It's not a one day you know coffee with a cop type situation. <laughs> Uh, while that's fun and that's great, that's not that's not you know the the root of the matter, and it has to be an ongoing, continuing discussion and in, an investment in in each other. Really, is what it is. So part of that is is our challenge now, and we are certainly not uh, alone in in having hiring challenges and staffing challenges. Um, so what what we're trying to do, and and I think we're having some pretty interesting successes, is to make sure that you know people in the community can see themselves in their police department, right? Representation matters, and that's not just a, a slogan. I mean, it really does. If you could see yourself working in a police department in some capacity, you say, well, that, maybe I could do this job. Um, so one of our big pushes is, yes, we need we need sworn officers. And in fact, we have a police officer recruit process open right now. Um, so I could give you the email uh, address for that. It basically, I'm sorry, the website address for that, which would be super great to have folks go visit it's www.jointucsonpd.org again www.jointucsonpd.org and that has a list of all of the jobs that we're hiring for so when i say public safety that means uh you know serving in any capacity that you feel comfortable doing so that could be uh, a sworn officer like i mentioned that's open it'll close uh, january 9th we hire for CSOs or our community service officers. Those are the non-sworn members who are out, uh, you know, essentially helping and, and remaining the backbone of our patrol division with our sworn officers. Uh, we hire for record staff, investigators, I'm sorry, evidence techs that go out to the scenes and help the investigators. So all kinds of jobs. And then even greater than that, we have a public safety push for recruiting. So maybe you don't want to work for the police department, but you're really interested in fighting, fighting fires. Well, we're all working together as a city to, to find the right person to put the right hand, work in the right hands. Um, so you can work in communications, for example, it's its own department, or fire, or the police department. We're all coordinating and collaborating with our city partners to, to get the right people in there. You know, Brian, I've I think also in terms of that community trust and collaboration and partnerships when it comes to our, our staffing, um, you know, a department like Colin said should be really be a reflection of the community that that department's serving and an extension of that community and should be made up of community members. You know, I have chosen for the last, you know, 33 years since I gradu- originally graduated U of A to be a citizen uh, of the city of Tucson. And I not only, uh, you know, serve as a police officer for our agency, but I also am a community member serving, you know, the city and, and, and our police department. And I've got a great amount of investment in that. I think another point to think about is, you know, when we've had some of the talk over the last few years about the defunding police movement and things like that, um, while I think that the, you know, the community here in Tucson to include city leadership has, has demonstrated that that's not a narrative that, uh, we want to have here in Tucson or that people are really uh, carrying forward here in Tucson, we do have an opportunity these days to reimagine what a police department looks like and the way that we're doing business. And we're doing that every day. We're really rethinking how can we do this job better? And in terms of the resources that we're lacking, how can we do it smarter? Um, but if if you have an opportunity as a community to reimage or reimagine that community, what better opportunity than to bring forward those people that you would like 
to police your community. And so we call on community members all the time to, um, you know, nominate someone, for lack of a better phrase, to, uh, you know, help out in the effort and, and uh, you know, police the community in, in the in the way that you would like to see it policed with the people you would like to see doing it. I think this would be a good time to mention a, an event that Colin mentioned to me um, um, off air. Are you ready to do that right now? Absolutely. Yeah. So as part of that, you know, we have a, a wide variety of outreach efforts. You'll see my recruiting team. There's the tiny but mighty recruiting team is what we call them. It's a few officers uh, who do a great job. Um, and so we're constantly in community events. We're constantly out there. One of the big events that we have uh, coming up this Sunday, December 4th, uh, from 2 to 3 p.m., is our Women in Public Safety open house. So that will be held at the West Side Substation, which is 1310 West Miracle Mile. So we lovingly call that ODW or Operations Division West, right in the, the main uh, open uh, conference area in the front of the building. Women in law enforcement, women in public safety, you're going to see members of our department of all ranks, of all assignments, and truly that 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 matters to our, our agency. We have women in the highest ranks to uh, the K-9 unit, to SWAT, uh, and all throughout the department. And so, again, like I mentioned, representation matters. If you want to come out and learn, you know, hey, maybe this job is for me. Maybe I haven't historically thought I could go be a police officer uh, or work in evidence or, you know, become a detective. Well, you're going to meet women that have both done those jobs and are currently in those positions. And you could ask questions. You could, you know, just pick their brain. Uh, and I think it's a good opportunity to, to have, a, have a good dialogue. So, again, this Sunday uh, from 2 to 3 at the West Side Substation, uh, 1310 West Miracle Mile. Would love to see you there. Well, that's a beautiful building. I've done some training events there, and I just I like love hanging out there. It's, and it's easy right off the freeway. What percentage of your department, sworn officers, is female? So we are about uh, just under 13% currently, and that's right around the, the average. We're a little bit above average nationally, uh, but we're not anywhere near where we want to be. So, in fact, we're part of the 30 by 30 initiative, and I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. But that is uh, a commitment from the department to work towards having 30% women in, in our public safety team uh, by 2030. And it's a national initiative. Uh, we've signed up, and, and Chief Kazmar is certainly um, a big proponent of this where you know we're we're intentionally reaching out to to women showing women you know you can do this job where do you want to work and 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 really trying to 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 bring us in line with where we should be absolutely so every department is hiring i follow a lot of departments on facebook and everybody's hiring everyone is trying to do the lateral transfers but all that seem the laterals just seem like stealing fish from one fish tank and putting them in another fish tank and it really doesn't solve the problem about departments being um not staffed and and a lot of it is just you're not getting enough applicants is that right that's it's or what what is that what's going on it that's true so it's interesting um you know uh, one of the assistant chiefs assistant uh, Assistant Chief Silva and I went to Washington, D.C. a few weeks back to meet with the uh, PERF, which is the public, I'm sorry, PERF group, Police Executive Research Forum. Uh, it was a gathering of about 250 police leaders from across the country in Canada, so it had an international flair. Everybody was on the same page in terms of, of the struggles with hiring, so it's not a regional or a local thing. Uh, one of the big big points was you're, you, know, you keep poaching from each other and you're just stealing <laughs> from the same right, pool right. like you mentioned. Uh, and that's why it's up to us to tell our story. I think, you know, Tucson's very unique. We're a major city, l- literally, because we're part of the Major City Chiefs Association. Uh, you, 
we have a great community, a great uh, team in the elected world that, that supports the police. Um, but we have to tell our story because the the goal is to expand that net, right? Expand that fish pond, like you said, so that we're not trying to take from each other. Uh, and I think, you know, we're doing a better job doing that. That's part of our challenge. But to show, look, the, this pool, this group, um, you know, come join us and here's why and telling right. that story. So it's it's reaching beyond the folks that would have maybe traditionally thought I'm going to be a police officer and, and that's it. Um, now it's going to the university, reaching out to students saying, hey, you may be studying sociology, but look, you can do that in the police. And in fact, we want you to do that in the police department. Well, we mentioned that Chief Kazmar. What, what, what did he study at college? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think that Chief Kasmar has a bachelor's in fine arts. Um, and so, you know, people from, you know, mine was in political science, but we have people that were scientists, uh, actual, you know, biologists and, and such. So uh, there's a wide variety of, of interests that we have here in the department, and there's a place for everybody. There's all sorts of opportunity in the department. Is criminal justice the preferred major, or can it be really anything? And when you guys hire on the panels, what are you, are you looking for a specific major? I don't think that, that there's necessarily a, a preference to a criminal justice major. I think, that, you know, if you're in an oral board or something, you could maybe speak to criminal justice issues. But I think we're really looking for people that are committed to serving their community, that come with a wide variety of diverse experiences, a wide variety of, of exposures and uh, approaches. Um, and so with that, I think that, you know, diversity in educational background, work background, et cetera, we are open to, to all sorts of people. Any success with the JTED program, getting people interested in law enforcement? Yes, so we, we do. We work with JTED. We also work with our local high schools in, the, in trade trade uh, education uh, because I think that really is a good spot to, to reach these young, young folks. Um, you can become a community service officer at 18. So we're working with, with the JTED program in the high schools to show you know, this kind of straight path into CSO world, if that's what you want to do, which is also a good recruiting pool for the sworn members or other areas of the department. Um, these these young young people really get a good, we give access to everything in the department. They have a great understanding of what's going on, and it helps to make sure that there's a good fit for, for all of us. Thank you, gentlemen. We're going to take our uh, bottom of the hour break. Um, thank you for listening to Law Matters here on 1030 The Voice. block of South 7th Avenue at 10 p.m. on July 23rd, 2021. If you have security cameras, you just might have a tip that will help solve the murder that took place there. To stay anonymous, use 88 Crime and upload your video. Si estabas o tienes cámaras de seguridad en la área de 4400 Sur de la 7 Avenida a las 10 de la tarde, 23 de julio de 2021, Es posible que tengas información que resuelva el homicidio que tuvo lugar ahí. Para permanecer anónimo, use la página 88crime.org. Suba su video.
report suspected human trafficking, please call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center at 1-888-373-7888 or text HELP or INFO to 233-733. To learn more about Homeland Security investigations and our efforts to combat human trafficking, please visit our website at www.ice.gov or check out the DHS Blue Campaign at www.dhs.gov slash blue campaign. For more information on the Southern Arizona Anti-Trafficking Unified Response Network, please visit us at www.saturn.org or find us on Facebook. Do you have security cameras on your home and live around the 400 block of West Ohio Street? On June 1st, 2021, a murder took place, and you just might have the information we need. To stay anonymous, upload your video to 88 Crime. ¿Tienes cámaras de seguridad en tu casa? ¿Y vives cerca de la cuadra 400 oeste de la calle Ohio? El primero de junio de 2021 se registró un homicidio y es posible que usted tenga la información necesaria para resolver este caso. Para permanecer anónimo, sube su video a la página 88crime.org. Law Matters opens the lines of communication between you and law enforcement. On our next show, Bill Mormon gives us an update on Jarek Shelvin's appeal. The on-air number is 520-790-2040, so get your questions ready. Please check out Law Matters' sponsorship page at lawmatters1030.org. Maybe you or a company you know would like to join our mission to keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcasts can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Welcome back to Law Matters on 1030 The Voice. This is Brian Watson filling in for our host, Sherry Harrison. Um, today we um, are speaking with uh, two officers with the Tucson Police Department, Captain Doug Foster and Captain Colin King. Before we get back into the fun, I do have an announcement to share. Uh, a save of the date, Saturday, January 14th, for a, hu- a free human trafficking awareness documentary movie with a Q&A afterwards. That's going to be um, from 10 a.m., Till noon on, like I said, January fourteenth at the TPD station that we just mentioned um, on Miracle Mile, the the West Station, which is a beautiful building, right in the middle of town, easy to get to. So save that date, January fourteenth. Uh, Sherry will definitely be um, mentioning that again on future programs. I'm going to be back on February fourth with enrolled agent Mark Barnes to talk a little tax law and tax scam. So uh, I, I, I get to, I have the pleasure of hosting today, but I get to be a guest on uh, February fourth. So I'm definitely looking forward to that. So thank you, Sherry, for letting me fill in today. Um, this is quite an honor, and uh, just hope we uh, live up to your standards. So um, I'm talking with uh, Captains Foster and, and Captain King uh, with TPD, and we were. At the bottom of the hour, we we're talking about um, hiring and recruiting, and you know, with the defund the police movement, um, there was a lot of people who just said, you know, it's just not worth it to me to uh, you know stick my neck out there. You know, I um, I'm putting my life at risk, and then you know, this city or this department may not have my back. I might get sued. You know, and everything I do is going to be questioned. You know, what do you what do you tell? someone who's hesitant like that someone who's in college and said you know i always i grew up admiring police officers i want to get in the job but with this environment right now i don't know if it's worth it i'm gonna go work for some high-tech company or work for a law firm what what do you guys tell candidates like that well for me i mean there's like i said earlier there's really been nothing else that i can imagine having done for the last 25 years uh and also working for really the premier law enforcement agency in, in southern Arizona 
and Arizona, if not the United States. I mean, we really are on the cutting edge of a lot of the things that we're doing here in terms of our training. We're going to put you out there with the with the best tools and training and opportunities uh, for success. Uh, never have I felt in, in my 22 years with TPD that uh, – that the department, my peers, my supervisors did not have my back. Um, it's a very, you know, supportive environment that's allowed me to have a, a lot of success and, and been super fulfilling uh, as I'm looking at retiring here in a, in a few years. <laughs> and I'll just add, I mean, that's great, Doug, and I think you're spot on. Um, let me just add, th- there's always perspectives, right, out there. I think one of the best ways for these potential applicants, potential employees to, to find what's really going on is to come out on a ride along. Again, you just go to join org or reach out. We're, we're on social media, TPD recruiting. Uh, you could find us online, reach out. We'll set you up with a ride along. So you get a feel, a, a true feel of what, you know, what it's like to serve, how, how cool this job really is uh, and how much the, the community does support the police department. I know there's this this disconnect where, you know, the news media or, or certain sources may say, you know, there's no support or, or there's no elected support. But when you're actually out in the community, you're actually talking with people. Uh, you're talking with the elected officials and seeing their actions, not just words. You're, you see this is a very supportive community overall for law enforcement. It's a great place to work. So come out and, and actually experience it rather than just, just read. And that's one of the challenges that we, you know, we face in, in recruiting is telling those stories and making sure that that portion is seen because that's probably the most important fact uh, here in the community is, you know, we have a great, great supportive community for all of us. Yeah, I, I think, too, that, you know, prior to this assignment, I was a patrol commander out in on the south side for a little over four years. And uh, like Colin says, with the narrative that's out there and some of the stuff in the media regarding you know negativity toward police that really is a minority narrative when you're out there working with the community members going to the neighborhood meetings uh meeting with the uh, constituents uh, off of ward office complaints and things like that they truly do support the work that we're doing and it truly is a partnership and a collaborative effort out there and so that that tone that Colin's talking about of, of community partnership and community support is truly what's going on out there. So you're feeling the love in the community? Absolutely. Okay, so a lot of times, you know, with social media, it those voices can be amplified and may not reflect what's truly going on. True. And that's good to hear. During the during the hiring process, what trips up candidates? What's something that you you have a great candidate and for some reason or another, they don't make it through. What What is it? Well, it's, it's interesting. So I'm, I'm somewhat new in this role. I've been here for almost six months. And, and so I've gone through a couple of the hiring processes now. And there, there are some, some commonalities. Uh, what I could say to a potential applicant for any of our, our positions is read the documentation carefully, understand what's being asked, and make sure that you answer everything truthfully, thoroughly, uh, understanding that omission is, is, is a problem just like telling a, an overt lie, if you know something that's happened and you're not talking about it, we will find out about it in our background investigation. We have to do that. That's part of the hiring process. So most of the things we could work around, uh, but but the problem is, it's not a problem. It's what the expectation is. We want honest, uh, you know, folks that have integrity. The community demands that, and and we should have that. So so a big issue is if you come in and one of the first steps is you haven't told the truth, that's that's not going to go anywhere. Um, the other part is make sure that you're following the deadlines and timelines, right? So we'll put that out pretty specifically. You'll have all of the information. Uh, my recruiting team and background team will, will work with you and, and are there for any questions at any time. 
but but you need to make sure to adhere to those deadlines. Uh, and so some of the times we're seeing these applications come in and people forget or they haven't you know had time to to fill it in and they drop off. Is drug use a killer? No, not necessarily. So there are certain certain factors that you need to consider. Like I said, be honest about it, put it out there. But it is not um, it's not a, a an absolute killer for your for your potential to to work in the police department. So my wife, uh, after going to a recent reunion, had noticed a lot of the guys that were kind of troublemakers in high school ended up being police officers or school teachers. And she just thought that was was kind of funny. And I said, well, you know, if, if, if you got in trouble a little bit in high school, you, you know, you got a little street cred, you know how things work, and you probably relate with people well. Is there any truth to that where... Where, where you've seen some guys that maybe have, you know, gotten a little trouble in high school. Um, not terrible stuff, but a little mischief. Yeah, I, I think that it goes back to that kind of diversity of experience and exposure and perspectives that people bring to the uh, to the law enforcement profession. And some of us that may have had, you know, different upbringings and different exposures through our teen years and what have you may have a little more compassion or empathy or things like that based on some of our experiences. So absolutely, I think that if you look at at some of the guys and gals across the uh, across the agency, there are a lot of us that have uh, a variety of exposure, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that really makes us a stronger police department, right? And so, so in really touching on what Doug just said, the diversity of experiences makes a stronger police department. And so, having member, there's not one type, if you will, of person that should become a police officer or work in public safety. Um, there, there are certain things that will will disqualify you, but by and large, we're actively looking for that diversity, not only of of personnel but experiences and and backgrounds. All right, everybody, uh, you are listening to Law Matters on ten thirty, The Voice. Um, I'm here today with uh, Captain Doug Foster and Captain Colin King with the Tucson Police Department. We have a listener who has called in with a question. Steve has a question for the gentleman today. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for your service. I'm, uh, I used to watch Dragnet and Highway Patrol talk about cop shows. It's just the facts. Give me the facts straight. So I got these neighbors, mainly one instigator, and I've been advised to move, and that ain't going to happen because where will I go? And uh, right now he's being kind of quiet, but I think he's called TPD on me at least a dozen times easily since COVID hit. I think he got locked down and bored. And he fabricates all kinds of things, and because I'm ex-military, he's saying I'm outside waving guns and... It ain't happening. Uh, I know. I used to run firing ranges 40 years ago. How do you deal with somebody once they spark up, if you understand that question? Well, I think that, uh, you know, just a matter of, of patience with the uh, with with the neighbor and attempting to to communicate with them reasonably and rationally if it rises to the level of something that it is a, a harassment type of situation or, or something that rises to something that you're concerned of criminally there there are options to uh, involve the involve the police but uh, I, I would just say having 
trying to maintain and, and establish an open dialogue with that neighbor and, and being uh, rational with the with them is uh, is the first step in, in having a harmonious neighborhood. All right. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate the call. Um, let's continue on with our questions today. Um, some community members may want to get into criminal justice, a criminal justice career, but don't necessarily see themselves in the traditional police role with a badge and gun. What other opportunities are there to contribute to TPD's success? We, we touched a little bit earlier, but I, I want to cover this some more. Yeah, no, and and thank you for doing that because that's part of our our challenge right now is, you know, all positions really contribute to the success of our police department and uh, are valuable to the police department and really the community at large. So, yes, we do have sworn members, and that's kind of makes the backbone of the the frontline staff, but right alongside of them are community service officers, and they actually are attached, you know, to a patrol squad, work side-by-side with our sworn members, um, they do a lot with property crimes. They do a lot with traffic. They do some of the neighborhood meetings. Um, so our, our essential folks for for our operations. We have, if, you know, if you're kind of into science and and, and into you know research, we have uh, f- we have our own crime lab in Tucson, which is pretty impressive uh, when you look across the country. So there's positions that we're always hiring for in there. So if you want, you know, have a science background, you want to work you know, with our DNA, like we were talking about CSI style, uh, that exists in the department. We have records personnel and you know if you want to deal with records and making sure that accurate information is getting out to the public and you're you're part of the team getting stuff to court to make sure that uh, you know a prosecution is successful we have that role uh, and then like i mentioned we're also working with our public safety partners in the communications department and in and fire so if maybe for example we come up with a really good candidate who wants to serve uh, the community in some way uh, maybe not with the police department. We'll turn them over to the fire department or communications, and then vice versa. Um, you know, they'll be they'll be working with us because it really takes a whole community to help staff and support this department and and our public safety world. We're all working towards the same thing. We all want uh, you know a safe community for our families, for our friends, and and this is one way to do that. So there's all kinds of opportunities within the department. Yeah. So most people think of a police department, they think of the sworn officers because that's the face who's out on the street what percentage of your department is officer or officers and and what's the other the other jobs that we just mentioned yeah so we have about uh, 760 uh, officers right now um so that encompasses everything so that would be detectives that goes all the way up to the chief right so that that's that whole group uh, we have about 60 in the training pipeline right now uh, and then we have about 300 professional staff members, and that's everything from, uh, you know, uh, records personnel to uh, crime scene tech to we have a professional staff uh, assistant chief. So there's, there's like I said, representation matters early on. So you could see, as a professional staff member, you could be a ranking assistant chief or any of these other roles. You know, one of the things that we're looking at currently, and, and uh, we're actually, I'm headed up to Phoenix to meet with Phoenix PD on Monday, is to talk about a civilian investigator program that they put together uh, earlier this year and other agencies across the country have have done similar things. And so we're looking at how can we bring people who have those investigative uh, skills and talents and, and maybe job history in, in a variety of other investigator positions, but they aren't uh, those badge-wearing, gun-carrying types of sworn officers. Uh, and so those opportunities are going to be 
coming in the very near future for, for people who may want to get actually involved in investigations, but from a civilian uh, position. I think the other thing that we, we don't emphasize is uh, we are always open for volunteers. And there are a lot of talented community members who are volunteering with our department right now in uh, in a number of, of facets and fashions. So um, we're always open to volunteers, and uh, I encourage people that are interested in volunteering some of their time to the community through the police department uh, to reach out to our community uh, engagement coordinator, Margo Susco, and uh, see what kind of volunteer opportunities might exist. I was watching the news last night, and I saw a story on the opening of the new communication center for Tucson Police Department. Um, why was that needed? And tell us why this thing is so awesome. I, I watched the... Uh, the story last night it was pretty impressive the setup there yeah i mean with their their that they were in dire need of new new uh, accommodations right so that is an essential function of of our public safety team the communications department has has um, kind of been in development over the last several years they're under the leadership of uh, a really talented woman uh, Sharon McDonough right now and her team uh, this was this was overdue. I mean, we had d- dispatchers and and call takers sitting in a, a pretty dark, uh, cramped quarters. Uh, what they do is so essential to our functions. They are the the first voice on the line when someone calls nine one one. They have to get you know simultaneously get information the essential information to the officers through the dispatchers. So making sure they're intaking accurate information and then at the same time keeping the person calm as possible on the other line, gathering facts that maybe the person's not saying, but you hear in the background, because all of those little pieces of information are, are essential for a safe response for our, our officers. Um, so, so it was very, very cool to see that it finally is open. Um, like I said, they are central partners in, in all that we do. The, um, what is the one thing you wish the public knew or realized about your job? Well, I think, you know, in, in my own uh, experience, I just want people to know that, you, you know, not only do I wear this uniform, have I, you know, served in this capacity, but I'm also uh, a citizen of Tucson and I'm, in, I'm invested in, in my community and in my city and in the place that I chose to raise my kids and where I want my wife to have, uh, you know, the ability to uh, go safely wherever she may go and, and this that. Uh, and the other, and just just to remember that that all of us that are out here doing this job also have an investment in in our community because we are members of the community and and we hope that we are a reflection and an extension of the community the uh one of the oh no we have about uh, we have about nine minutes left. We do have another caller, so we 're going to take another call. We have Melinda on the line melinda you 're on uh, law matters with um, Captain Doug Foster and Captain Colin King with the Tucson Police Department. Hi, captains. Thank you so much Good morning. for your service. Um, I'm calling about a situation that I run into as a court advocate often, okay? Parents whose children are in foster care. There's a man and his wife and his, the mother of his child in Tucson jail today. They have hard evidence that their child was being abused in foster care. They have uh, a medical um, document from Children's Hospital in Phoenix. They walked away with him from a monitored visitation to try to get this kid to a doctor. He's, He's 
he's very young. He had a brain injury, um, and it happened while he was in foster care. You know, they when a child is missing from foster care, we don't get any Amber Alerts or reports on on the news or photographs to look for them. But if a parent tries to save their child from foster care, they spare no expense tracking them down and jailing them. So I'm very concerned about these parents. They're good parents. They were set up by DCS. What is your responsibility when a parent comes to you and says, my child is being abused in foster care. What is your responsibility as a completely separate agency from the Department of Child Safety who uses you guys to, um, to um, uh, seize children without warrants? And so I, I'd just like to hear what your responsibility is. Right. So that, that sounds like a difficult uh, situation. My former, one of my former uh, assignments was overseeing the, the investigative units uh, that, that investigated crimes against children. And, and those are very challenging investigations uh, just all the way around um, through our special victims. So what I could say about this, not knowing the particulars or the background of this particular incident, um, the, the f- police department will always conduct its own independent, separate investigation uh, regardless, so if there's a complaint that's brought forward from a member of the community, whether that be an advocate, whether that be a teacher or the parents themselves, we will, uh, you know, investigate that thoroughly. Uh, we do partner with DCS on many things, and they are they're essential for for some of the work that we do. But they don't dictate the terms of the investigation, nor can they limit what we're looking into. So, if if there is a concern like that, definitely bring it forward. It sounds like this was a Phoenix issue. Bring it forward to the the police department there, but. Uh, understand here in Tucson, we will uh, thoroughly investigate all of those uh, complaints and issues uh, internally and independently. All right. Thank you, Melinda. I appreciate the phone call. Um, we have about five minutes left, so we're going to um, just kind of wrap up with some last-minute um, last minute questions and catch-alls. Um, gentlemen, I always like to focus on the positive. You know, what what is the most rewarding part of the job to you what sends you home with like satisfaction and like a smile on your face yeah i look back at at what kind of drew me to this job when i talk about the that school resource officer that reached out to me in high school and and kind of exposed me to the job and and uh you know brought to light that there was there was an opportunity there that resonated with me and so i one of the parts about my history here that I didn't share was I had always told myself that if I ever got the opportunity to be a police officer, I would like to go and give back and uh, pay it forward, if you will, in terms of being a school resource officer. And so I had the opportunity uh, earlier in my career to to do that and, and to be in the schools and to be embedded in there and to be doing some of our youth programs and youth outreach. And, and uh, that has continued to pay dividends to this day, 20 plus years later, when I have former students of mine who approach me uh, at a grocery store or in a restaurant who now have their toddlers with them and they talk about the influence that I had in their life and and uh, how much they enjoyed having Officer Doug in the classroom with them or at one of our summer camps that we that we had. And so, uh, again, the opportunity for me to kind of fulfill that that desire that I had to kind of give back 
for what got me into the career to begin with. And then, like I say, it's been paying off years later that I'm still running across people that apparently I had a positive influence on uh, some, at some point or another in my career. Any of them working for the department? Actually, we do have some. You know, I've, I've uh, prior I was teaching um, part time at Pima Community College in their administration of justice program, and I had uh, students in there that I would encourage to pursue opportunities with us. And some of them have since come and applied with us, and are now community service officers and uh, officers with the department. So, yeah, that's a great. That's great, Colin. What about you? What's what's the most rewarding part of the job? What what sends you home with like <clears throat> uh, you know I've done a good thing for this community today. Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question, and and there's always something different every day. But it it is ninety nine percent of the time going home with a smile on my face. Um, so I mentioned earlier that I was on this diplomatic track, working towards you know a federal gig, uh, working internationally. What drew me to this job and still uh, is amazing to this day is the fact that you can have an impact multiple times a day, every day, a positive impact on members of our our community, working in collaborative efforts with them. Um, that is something you can't replicate in any other job. I mean, you are going to some of the worst calls of, of somebody's life, but by the end, you've hopefully made it that much better by your presence. And I think that that type of service is something that just can't be replicated. And I love that about our job. And so if somebody is interested in that type of work, you know, understanding what service means, giving back to the community. I mean, I'm blessed. I've, I've, I grew up here in Tucson. I, I'm a Tucson native. I went to Tucson High. Uh, and I love this community and, and having worked and lived here for so long, I feel truly blessed to to be be a member of our police department, being able to serve in this capacity. And so if somebody has that that drive, that that interest in giving back in serving, we have a place for you in this police department. And so, again, I, I just, you know, we'll give a plug real quick. It's www.jointucsonpd.org. And it has all of the information, all of the types of jobs that we have. And again, hopefully, we'll see see some of you on uh, sat on Sunday. Excuse me, Sunday two to three this Sunday, December fourth, at the West Side Substation on Miracle Mile for a Women in Public Safety event. Beautiful. That's we got the right people doing recruiting for your department because that's what you want. You want you want the positive. Um, how can the public support law enforcement in this town? I think keep doing what they've been doing. You know, I, I like I mentioned earlier, working out in patrol, I felt nothing but support from our community members and, and that vocal support, um, coming to events, um, being involved and engaged in their neighborhood association or whatever um, community group may be bringing forward uh, things to, to work with the police department and, and being vocal. And so some of the groups that are out there, like, like uh, this uh, law matters and those, they're all important in, in just putting it out there and doing things to uh, show that there is another narrative in terms of support for police rather than what tends to be prevailing out there these days. So we have about 50 seconds left here. What about just coming up, someone up to walking up to you at QT and saying, hey, thank you for your service? Yeah, that's one of the best feelings. And I get it, get it every day. You get the thumbs up in traffic. You get the, the uh, appreciation for what we're doing. Uh, occasionally you get somebody buy your coffee. Nice. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. We're uh, we're going to wrap it up today. Um, our guests today on Law Matters were Captain Doug Foster and Captain Colin King with the Tucson Police Department. Uh, like I mentioned earlier, Sherry uh, will be back next week. Um, I This is Brian Watson, Special Agent with IRS and Public Information Officer. Uh, uh, doing my best to fill in. So, um, everyone, um, be safe. Uh, shop local, as Sherry says. And... Um, We'll uh, join us back here next Saturday morning. Thank you very much.
Law Matters opens the lines of communication between you and law enforcement. On our next show, Bill Mormon gives us an update on Jarek Sheldon's appeal. The on-air number is 520-790-2040, so get your questions ready. Please check out Law Matters' sponsorship page at lawmatters1030.org. Maybe you or a company you know would like to join our mission to keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcasts can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org.